Scott, welcome back. Thanks for sitting down today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Really quick, please uh, reintroduce yourself for folks that may not have seen your first appearance. Sure. My name is Scott Redman. I am an attorney uh, from Chicago. I am part of a craft grow team uh, based out of Marengo, Illinois, and I am the president and founder of the Illinois Independent Craft Growers Association. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you for sitting down with me today. It's uh, May 26th, 2023. It's a Friday. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Scott, but the, the Senate's session ended last night. Is that what officially happened or what? Yes, the Senate ended their session about, I don't know, close to midnight last night. Um, maybe I maybe had the time quite. I, I stopped listening after they stopped doing substantive things around 1130, 1145. So, yes, the Senate has left the building. Gotcha. And just can you recap for folks where we were and where, like how we got to where we are today? You know what I mean? Just so that they have a sense of what happened and what didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah. So let's let's go back a couple weeks. Um, there had been a, a lot of discussion, e even the last time I was on your show, there had been a lot of discussion about a cannabis omnibus bill. Uh, there were various uh, advocacy groups and trade associations such as ours that had a, had a variety of, of legislative goals. Um, a lot of discussion early on. Uh, circled around a reorganization of the cannabis uh, regulatory schemata and um, schematic and and whether it was going to be agency or commission. And when there was no agreement on that, that kind of just fell away. Um, and our group went down to Springfield in in uh, middle of April, had some good conversations with uh, various uh, legislators and came away feeling pretty good that um, that people were sensitive to the issues of the craft growers and the other social equity business types. And there was a draft, uh, a draft bill that has started, had started to circulate. It was in the form of an amendment to a Senate bill and it was being circulated around the house by uh, representative Ford. And it had, a, it had a number of things in it. It had, a 14,000 square foot, in, you know, an increase to 14,000 for the craft growers. It had uh, a 280E, uh, state 280E relief, um, which is a technical tax issue, but I'm sure a lot of your listeners know what that is all about. Uh, it had drive-through for dispensaries. It had uh, a reaffirmation of the curbside for dispensaries. It had a moratorium on transporter licenses. It had an extension for dispensary um, launches and and a couple of other things in in that in there as well and it was debated in the uh, house executive committee and uh, this was a, a i believe a week ago and then it became clear that there was a issue regarding delta eight where that issue came from, I'm not entirely clear. Um, I mean, the issue's out there. I mean, the Delta 8 issue is the Delta 8 issue. And, and obviously, there's been a lot of news recently with the uh, with some kids getting uh, sick. And obviously, right. there's Delta 8 uh, in the windows everywhere you look. 
And there is a large faction of, I believe, both the House and the Senate that don't like it. And the Delta 8 issue crept its way into the cannabis discussions. And and I don't know why. Um, it, it may just very well be that, that certain legislators look at it as part of the same plant, so it should be part of the same law, part of the same industry, whatever. And there was a big push to ban Delta 8 on a temporary basis. The theory being that let's issue a ban, give the dispensaries or the, I'm sorry, the, the stores and the manufacturers 30 days to get rid of their inventory. And then there'll be a complete ban while rational, responsible regulation um, is, is worked on with a goal towards passing it in the veto session. And that, of course, raised the, the hairs on the back of the necks of, of the Delta 8 industry. Um, we were arguing and fighting for the concept that these don't belong together. Don't burden what is otherwise decent cannabis legislation with this very controversial issue that's trying to be brought in at the last minute. Because it's a complicated, it's, you know, unless you're just going to say there's none, can't have it. Or you're going to say it's going to be the same as cannabis. You need to have a cannabis license. And those are the two easiest things. I'm not saying either one are what you want to do. And that, that the, those are two easy things. Everything else in the middle, which is where things likely should be, it has to take a lot of thought. And the industry needs to work with the regulate, you know, with the legislators and the regulators. And that's going to take time. And if I could illustrate to, to your, to your point about how these are just separate issues, like this stuff became legal as a result, Delta eight, as a result of the farm bill. And even the feds are having conversations about, Hey, maybe we should restructure the farm bill. So I just wanted to, to your point, I truly believe our state should leave it. Like, it's weird. Cause it's like, we should just focus on our state law. Why are we getting involved in something that, you know? Yeah. That's just my two cents. I felt like it added to your point. So anyways, so, so, and, and well, and the DEA has come out and th their opinion is that Delta 8 is a controlled substance and should be regulated as such. But whether you're for D8 or, or against D8 or in the middle about D8, the problem was there wasn't an appropriate time to deal with that issue as part of the important issues that we have pressing for, for this up, this legislative uh, session. And while we were feeling pretty good when, when, the bill that we were in support of was voted out of the executive committee at the house. So all it needed to then go to the floor and we, we believed it had support at the floor. Otherwise uh, representative Ford wouldn't have pushed it through. Um, and he was saying that Senator Lightford and, and the leadership in the Senate was, was okay with it as well. So we thought, there you go. Well, this Delta eight thing got in the middle and, and all hell broke loose. And that bill lost its support because it didn't have Delta 8. Nothing got moved forward out of the House. Everything was now left to the Senate. And the Senate, although they say they were in favor of 14,000 square feet, and I don't believe that they aren't, but this issue got in the way and quite likely other interests lobbying the senators got in the way. And last night came and went without any activity on uh, that 
that legislative uh, agenda, except for two points. Um, one, no one has any argument with or disagreement with, um, and that is they, I, I believe, I've yet to see it, but I believe they stuck in what's called the BIMP, um, the, uh, the Budget Implementation Act. So part, let's just call it part of the budget. Um, they stuck in the extension on the dispensaries, I believe, in, in there. I, I, have to, I have to check, but that's what I've been told. But more importantly, the big cannabis companies had as one of their main, main objectives was to get relief from 280E. The, the very burdensome uh, tax provision that's in the federal tax code, but we have a mirror provision basically in the Illinois tax code. Most states that have legalized cannabis have removed that state portion because it's a state business legal in the state. So why should we have this penal tax provision? That was very important to them. It means millions and millions of dollars to them. Obviously, it's important for everybody in the industry because it it, it, it affects all of our taxes uh, as a as a grower and manufacturer. But that was very meaningful to them. It's, it saves them money right away. Somehow that made its way into the budget bill. So I'm not sure how I, I you know, I, it will take time for everybody to go back and look and see exactly what happened and who was doing what and who was being pressured and who was putting on pressure. So I can't really comment on that, but I can comment on what it looks like as you sit here today. Yesterday, you had social equity businesses saying we cannot get open this law was created and in many ways passed on the backs of the social equity license types and we can't get open we need help from the legislature we pointed out the different areas where we need the help and everybody seemed to be fine with that it it, it, it's it's it was a concept that everybody said yes this makes a lot of sense and, and of course, when we're talking about social equity business, we're talking about a lot of people of color, a lot of black and brown owned businesses, also employees, et cetera. So on Thursday, you have these businesses needing this help, asking for this help. By the time Thursday night rolls around, the help is not there. And what is there at the last minute is the big corporate cannabis companies that have sold billions of dollars of product in the last three years get a tax break. That's how it, I mean, that's not me spinning it. That's just how it is. Now the spin will come that, well, you get the tax break too. Yeah. But it doesn't help all these businesses that aren't open. So, we're trying to get open these 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 dispensaries, craft growers, infusers, transporters. We're trying to get open. And instead of giving us relief that'll help us do that, they give a tax break to big business. And I'm a Democrat. I don't mind saying I'm a Democrat. I'm a pretty progressive Democrat. I think I pretty much am the pro forma type of person that is the majority, you know, in the legislature in terms of progressive. We're a pretty progressive state. The last thing you would expect um, progressive Democratic caucuses to do is to turn away 
the social equity applicants who have been promised, you know, a pathway here to success in the cannabis industry, ignore their response, ignore their needs. And at the same time, give a, you know, let's say it, a Trumpian tax break to big business who's in direct competition and who wants nothing more than to not see these businesses up and running. So I don't know where this came from. We will find out where this came from. I, everybody has their suspicions on how this came to be. Um, there are a lot of lobbyists out there in, in Springfield representing the big cannabis companies and other interests. And I, I don't think they were bashful about or, or being secretive about their agenda. Um, and so we will see. And, and I, you know, I'm not here to say there's political payback or anything like that. I'm not one to be able to dish it out. But there are a lot of angry people, a lot of angry people of color, a lot of angry uh, social equity advocacy groups and and businesses that this was this was may have been done in the back room, but it wasn't done in the shadows. I mean, this this is out there. This is clear what happened. Yeah, thank you for breaking that down. Um, it's, It's tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, look, 14,000 square feet wasn't going to, it, it was, it was to help people's pro forma. It was to help make the business more attractive to obtain funding. The, the large growers were worried about everybody growing to 15, 14,000 square feet and, and <clears throat> being a big group of, of competitors. It, it's ridiculous. As we've talked about before, what this is now going to do is certainly going to put others over the edge and they're going to sell their licenses. And those licenses aren't going to go to people who don't know what they're doing and who don't have money. It's going to go to people who know what the fuck they're doing and have the money to do it. And so they they have, you called it pretzel logic last time we talked. And that's, that's, I, I believe you did. That's, that's right. That's what this is. And these folks have, have made a bed the, when I say these folks, I mean the, the large cannabis companies have made a bed that they don't want to lie in. They, they, they are, they, they, they don't want the competition, but yet they're creating a scenario where they're going to have far more competition than they would if they just would have helped support these social businesses who just want to, you know, make a living and, and do well. But now they're going to find outside um, brands that are established other places. They're going to come in and buy a craft grow license, set up a facility. And, and now, now they've got a a competitor who's far ahead of where a lot of us will be because they've already got the branding. They've already got the SOPs. They've already got the know-how they already got the money. Yeah. And I think the money is a big thing. We'll, we'll, we've already broke. We don't have to get into it right now because the data is not available. So we would just be speculating. Um, but when the data is available, we will break down the contributions that were made uh, during this time period. Uh, they come out at a later date. We've done it in the past. We'll do it in the future. I definitely think there's something to be said about the fact that I don't get the impression you guys spend a lot of money. We we hired, we, we scraped all that we could together from sure. our dues from our sponsorships and we hired three very good lobbyists um, who worked as a team who worked for a fraction of what they would normally charge and we've basically spent 
you know, a substantial portion of our of our cash on hand at the moment uh, on this effort. But, and go ahead. But nothing, nothing. Let's put it this way. Of all the money we spent um, on, on our lobbyists, the direct donations that CBAI's PAC make directly cool. to legislators. Right. Uh, you know, dwarfs what we spent on just our lobbyists. That's they then, and then each of their each of their uh, big can of companies in the CBAI have lobbyists. So they they've spent ten times what we spent in in, in in probably without a doubt. Yeah, and I think that's that's what I was referring to. Not so much what you spent on lobbyists or whatever else, right. but these people. And we've we've. Again, we've pointed it out on the show. If people want to see a paper trail that we've laid out and we show you how to look up the data yourself. So it's not like I'm the crazy guy on the board. Like we use Very the easy. government's data, uh, yep. we use the government's website and we show you how to look it up yourself. But like, just for example, uh, Scott, I'm not asking you for comment, but I'd love it if you did. Um, you know, Don Harmon, um, Representative Ford, um, Representative Morgan, who I don't see is playing a big uh, role in this in this particular bill, but correct me if I'm wrong, I, I suppose. But um, just I, I guess there's something to be said about people that champion cannabis bills, but also accept, accept a lot of cannabis contributions. And I just think that if you're not, if you are not contributing all that sort of money, I mean, yeah, you probably don't have their ear because money talks, you know. Oh, I, I mean, I am not aware of any of the craft growers out there that have made any significant, and not that I would, um, sure. made any significant donations. Um, my my craft grow did make a donation to Senator Harmon um, back in the fall. We saw him as an important ally, um, but, you know, it's measured it's 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 very small and i think some of us will go to various fundraisers just so we can have a minute with people but the, you know the, that's 100 bucks here and 150 bucks there that's that's nothing compared to what people will see if they go to the go to the website links right. that you've given if if i'm remembering correctly we're talking regular payments of 100 and 100,000 you know pretty regular I, yeah, yeah i i couldn't tell you but it's i encourage people to go and look um, and, and don't be misled by a low number for some for some other senator, because what happens is a lot of money goes to certain senators. In this case, I would mention Senator Harmon as the head of the as the president of the Senate. And then Senator Harmon can and does. And this isn't unusual. And there's nothing wrong with this. Donates some of that money on to other candidates in in his caucus and so what you will see if you look up um other senators in 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 illinois you will see donations from senator Harmon or from the democratic you know congressional caucus or whatever the the acronym might be that is the big money that that's the big money goes to one place and then it gets doled out so you may only see i can or cbai giving a thousand dollars to senator castro um, as an example, I don't know if that's accurate. Accurate. I think that right. was accurate last. Look, that's not all Senator Castro gets from that. Is is my guess, because you can look and you'll see all sorts of other money coming to Senator Castro from Senator Harmon. So, right. this is a. I mean, look, this is a problem on all levels of government, on mm -hmm. all on all. Um, 
and don't and don't just focus on 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 uh, you know Big Canna. Delta Eight is a big business now, and Delta Eight poured a lot of money and effort into this session because they became aware of the push against Delta Eight. And again, I'm not taking a position here, but they they wield a lot of influence as well. They have lobbyists who are very close to Senate, uh, to Representative Ford. They have very good lobbyists. And as any lobbyist will tell you, it's hard to get a bill passed. It's real easy to get a bill killed. And there were a lot of killers out there this, this past two weeks. Um, and they did a very good job of protecting their interests and, and damaging ours, which is a shame. Yeah. Well, uh, anyways, the other thing I wanted to say, so that I that's I've got two things that I wanted to ask you about, and it was money, but it was also just like the community. I've posted on IL Trees, which is a community of over 34,000 Chilinoians. Um, I've just kind of started asking people when I'm in town near the dispensary, like, are you at all aware? And I've been asking other people, like, do you think anybody's actually aware and I, I just find that it doesn't seem like people are aware. Like if you ask somebody at the dispensary that's just going to pick up an eighth, like, do you know that craft growers need 14,000 square feet? What, are, what is a craft grower? You know, and it, like they don't even know that. But, the, but then you explain to them, I, I can, you know, you can get the ear of a stoner and be like, look, this is why this needs to happen. Because if they get 14,000 square feet, we'll have more choices in the future, better quality weed. And then they're like, okay, I guess I'm sick, but it takes a few steps and that's off into the future. So I guess my question was, it seems like one of the things you were lacking and I feel like we could get assistance from is, is the community. And I just wondered if like going forward, if you considered pairing some of your proposals with the community and one that I'm thinking of Scott, and I'm sorry to go here again, but like, it was just like, if you would have just worded it as canopy expansion instead of right to grow i wouldn't have gotten as like ah as i did but i actually now i think that's a brilliant idea what if you called it right to grow on your agenda and it included fourteen thousand square feet but it also included language for home growth so it's like the consumers would have the energy to be like yeah these craft growers need this and i need this too you know and it's our right to grow i don't know just an idea because i feel like you were asking for people to call their senators and every, not just you, everybody, so many different right. advocacy groups were asking people to call senators and like, why am I going to call if I don't even get like, people don't see it as a direct benefit, I guess is so. Right. You know, it's, that is a, that is a more general problem that that's just out there. And, and, and I don't, you know, I had, um, I had hot chocolate just a few minutes ago, right? I'm not a coffee drinker. I had a hot chocolate. Do I know that the local dairy farmers where that milk may have come from have this agenda or that agenda or this issue or that issue that they're struggling for, you know, struggling with? I don't. I don't even think about it. And I think that's just the way, unfortunately, things have things are in 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 this time of, of, of you know, in this era that we don't put a lot of thought into. Who made this? Who's making it? Who's selling it? What problems do they have? How does it affect me? I just want to go get my freaking hot chocolate. And and I don't think much more about that until it becomes a problem where the hot chocolate's not there. And I'm like, why is that chocolate not there? Well, the farmers, you know, they had to dump all their milk because they didn't get this. And then you, then you start hearing about it. But then you only hear about it, you know, one two minute news blip right. on a and, and, and maybe someone starts posting about it 
and you hear about it, but there's, there's a, there are not, and I'm guilty of this. There are not a lot of people out there who will stand up and, and, you know, realize how this issue that's five degrees separated from them really is still affecting them and why they should get involved. And it's, and it's apathy. It's, it's apathy. Um, it's knowledge, but I also am worried and, and concerned that, yeah, we've got to get the knowledge out there. And I agree that we need to do a better job of making these stories known. Um, but, you know, people are like, eh, that's, that's what shitty. Do you, what do you think about the idea of pairing the industry proposals with with like something you could sell to? Like, say, I don't mean to say sell to a consumer, but you kind of got to. To get you know. support for, to, to generate more grassroots support from the consumer base. I, I that the idea of something that's less esoteric than 14,000 square foot of canopy, what the hell's canopy, um, makes a lot of sense. Um, whether I can buy into your everyone can grow at home, I, there's there's pros and cons to that. I yeah. mean, at the same time, we're trying to set up an industry, um, to, to make the industry, uh, to make the product more accessible. I have a hard time with that, but I do see the logic in people being able to grow one or two plants at home. It's not like that's going to, you know, terribly affect um, a market. Don't know. We look at that. Um, again, it's not like people who grow, you know, three gallons or who, who make three gallons of beer in their, in their basement means they're not going out there and buying three Floyds or, or whatever Laguna, you know, they, they still out there buying. So they're, that I think ultimately will be the case. That will certainly happen down the road. I don't know if this state, when I say that now, I mean the legislature, given their reaction to Delta Eight, is is at all interested in expanding cannabis. Um, they are dealing with the heaven falling at the moment uh, with with Delta Eight, and in some ways, I don't disagree with them. There there needs to be some regulation. Even the Delta Eight manufacturers agree that they, there needs to be reasonable, rational regulation to keep this out of the hands of kids, to keep this off of every street corner um, convenience store and, 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 you know, put some testing in there and some labeling. Uh, there, there are responsible people out there and they, they don't disagree. Um, but there are a lot of people out there that, that just see it as an expansion of cannabis and they're not going to, not going to stand for it. And I think that same group of people will probably be weighing in against a home grow concept. Yeah. And I don't mean to only make it about home grow, but I just really like it. I just wanted to kind of really plant that seed of pairing. No, it's a very know, good idea. Industry proposals with uh, something like I was thinking. Um, so I wanted to ask you, actually, did you do you know anything at all about that? Oh, the this is totally like unrelated to, I guess, industry bills. But I remember there was a vehicle code uh, law that was coming about where odor would be removed. Do you know if that moved at all? I I, I don't want to, well, I'm a lawyer, and so lawyers may not know an answer, but they'll give you a fucking answer anyway, right? <laughs> so I don't know exactly what happened to that, but I think it did not go anywhere. Darn. I uh, but so but, but I, I don't go to the bank with that. I sure. I, I am I was more focused on our direct issues. I, I'm aware of that issue. I would certainly talk to CI, you know, CEIC and those folks who had that as one of their top agenda items. But, um, you know, to, to, to go back to your point about coupling with some consumer 
favorable concepts is we just saw, you know, we, we felt that our bill had some good things in it for, um, for the big guys. They certainly would have gotten a boost out of dispensary drive ups. They were very much in favor of codifying the, uh, the, the curbside. Um, they were very adamant about getting badging, the badging issues resolved. That was all in there and the 280E. And we felt, well, you know, they're, if nothing else, they're getting their 280E as part of this, but they're also getting these other things. This is on a whole good for them. So to take that and extrapolate it to your idea, there's nothing that says the thing for the consumer wouldn't get stripped away or the thing for the consumer would happen and our thing would get stripped away. There, this is such a cutthroat, dirty, dirt, and I don't mean dirty in the sense of corruption. It's just a, it, it's like watching sausage getting made. It is just something that disgusts you as you watch it happen. Notwithstanding that you may like the end product, um, it's just like God. I don't. Ugh, this isn't how life is supposed to be. This isn't how our elected officials are supposed to represent you know the needs of the community now i know for every need we have there's a countervailing need but at some point you look at who needs what and what's the better you know what's where's the better good here yeah so you know it stings it's less than 24 hours after that loss so so there's a a bitterness to it um i think a lot of our members would give you a a bigger earful, <laughs> uh, expletive-filled earful um, directed at at large cannabis. Um, but you know, we all have to work together. It's uh, you know, as a lawyer, um, you know, you go up against other lawyers. You mm-hmm. know, if you're in court or negotiating something, you know, you're going directly at them. They're they're your mortal enemy in that battle. But when it's done, you know, you're walking out of the courtroom. Oh, how's Jill? How's Cindy? How's everybody? You know. How are your kids? Oh, they're fine. Yeah, so and so. You know them. You have to work with them as a, on a career basis. So you know you try not to let it get personal. Um, but the day after, it's still fucking personal. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think to wrap up, I just want to remind us since this didn't pass, like what what does it look like right now? I know you mentioned that maybe in sure. the future, uh, some people may and i've heard this not only from you but i've heard it from several perspectives that people are pushing it already and this is kind of the death knell to or whatever the saying is um you know like this could be the final straw so keeping that in mind but um what what do you think the future looks like like uh, uh, next session are we picking up where we left off of course uh, just kind of well, paint it how we move forward and i know it's less than 24 hours but if you could give me a look no. at the future we are picking up today um, and I, I'll be sending a letter out to our membership. I'm kind of highlighting and low lighting what, what's happened over the last few weeks. And at the end I say, you know, there are five plus months between now and veto session. We can't wait till October. You know, we need to start today. However, a lot of people gave their lives for this freedom to smoke weed in Illinois and, and do other things. And we're going to recognize the holiday and the holiday weekend and Monday. But come Tuesday, <clears throat> we're back figuring out exactly what our next steps are, because there are a lot of political events this summer. I encourage people when they hear about something happening in their community 
with their state rep or their state uh, senator having a, you know, they'll be at the spring, you know, at the, at the county fair. Go give them an earful. Go talk to them. The, the summer is when they're out glad handing, when they're out raising money, when they're out doing uh, public appearances and go talk to them, go to their office and talk to them and or their staff. If you can't reach them and tell them, I don't know what you guys did in Springfield last, you know, in, in May, but you left behind a bunch of, you know, social equity cannabis people that that are struggling and we want to see them succeed. Give them whatever your message is, but we're going to be doing that. We're going to be doing that hard. We're going to be doing everything we can to have a, a solid footing um, come this veto session and try to move some things forward because um, if it doesn't happen, then I, I think there, there will be a few people in the craft industry and then there will be a lot of um, outside interests with, uh, with multiple, basically small MSOs that are going to be taking over those craft grow um, slots in Illinois, which is a shame, which is a shame. It is not what the act intended. It is not what the act was advertised for. It was, it, it was not the way it was supposed to be. And the only one that's going to benefit it from being some other way is, is large cannabis and let's call them medium sized cannabis coming in and, not the people that uh, that that this act was uh, created for, and even some of those, you're, we're already hearing of the four or five craft grows that are up and running, they're struggling. So, yeah, we've had four or five open, right? You know, so far, they are having a very very hard time. So, we'll see it? where this. Is. Sorry, to keep. I know we're trying to wrap up here, but is it like uh, the fact that they can't? I mean, you're you were pushing so that they could push to fourteen thousand, so they're restricted, right, to the small canopy, and they're they're restricted to the small canopy. Um, but in but in large part, this is a people forget that you know once you get this bit this building approved and up and open, that's just the starting line of a difficult you know, Iron Man, right? It seems like it's been an Iron Man to get to the point where you now can cut the ribbon. No, that was just to get to the point to fail, right? I mean, now you're in the race and that takes a lot of cash. You're spending a lot of cash to grow, to process, to get product out there. The dispensaries, like most retailers now, are asking for 30 or 60 day terms, which means that when my you know, case of eighths is delivered to rise. Rise doesn't give cash to the driver to bring back to me. They don't wire me the money right away. They don't pay me in advance. They're paying me 30 days later, 60 days later. And if they're struggling, they may not pay for even longer. Where am I getting cash from to support my employees? And so I'm not operating. So I'm not telling a story for my group, but it's a story I've heard already. It's a story I've heard from, you know, from the people that are up and operating that you need to have a pile of cash. When I say a pile, it's like a seven digit figure. It's not hundreds of thousands, it's you know a million plus. You have to have that money in reserve to be able to withstand that runway that you have to go on, you know, to, to, to traverse to get actually somewhat cash flow stable. So it, this is difficult 
14,000 square feet, I think, helps everybody with their pro forma. It gives access to potential additional capital. So those groups that are already up and running, if 14,000 you know, gets approved, now their pro forma changes substantially. And, and they can go for another round of investment because they have the, the, the model for that can now support it. It's, it's, it, is, it is not a panacea. You know, if, if they passed it last night, there wouldn't be 30 craft growers saying, I got my funding this morning. <laughs> right. No one thinks that's the case. Although, you know, the big guys can have a party tonight saying, hey, we just made a couple of extra million bucks a piece because we just got this tax cut. Um, that will affect them right away. That affects their sales, you know, today or as soon as it gets signed by the governor. So um, it's just it's a building block to give these folks um, the, 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 the craft growers the opportunity to have one more piece of foundational structure to build a business on. Um, so I had said, I think the last time we talked, I think there'll be 10 craft growers probably up and running by the end of the year, maybe 12. Um, I've had that same conversation with Department of Ag. They kind of are in agreement. They see that happening. There are groups that have ability to self-fund or have the financial wherewithal to be able to still go out and get loans in a difficult industry because they've got balance sheets or, or guarantor balance sheets to be able to do that. So the first ones up and running will be those fortunate ones that, that had capitalization in, in some way or another. And then I, I don't know what happens to the rest. I really don't. Yeah. Well, thank you for breaking that down. Any, uh, yeah. any final words before we wrap up? I just want to give you more space uh, as we close. I would ask, I would ask folks that when they do go to a dispensary, um, ask for craft Illinois craft products. There are very few out there so far, but, but the caviar brand is the craft product. The Bloom brand is a craft product. I'm sure there are a couple others I don't have um, um, craft craft grower product. There are, and of course, there are new infused new infuser products as well. To ask specifically, ask, and if they say they don't know, say, "Well, next time I come, can you maybe find out for me which products you have?" Because I know my friends and I always talk about your friends and you, not just you. My friends and I would really like to try some of these craft products and support this part of the industry because we think we're going to start getting some better stuff. We have to start because, because the group, the brands that are out there, they need all the support they can get. They don't have giant marketing budgets like, like a GTI or Farbican or Cresco to give away tons of swag and, and give away a free this with a free that they're, they're scrap, they're, they're scraping by so please help ask for our products, ask for craft grown products. Yeah. Well, Hey, thank you, Scott. I really appreciate thank your time. You. Thank you for the platform. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Folks take care.